Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Chronicles 7 and 14, I want to talk for a little while about we are better together. We are better together. If my people, you can read along with me. Ready? Begin. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and will heal their land. This promise came in a dream to Solomon to Solomon after he had made all the sacrifices in the temple and after the Holy Ghost had fell and blessed the temple, the tabernacle that he had built unto the Lord. And the Lord said, you know what? I'm going to honor you for all that you've done. And if my people will humble themselves and pray, I'm going to hear from heaven. Are you glad the Lord hears your prayers? Are you glad he hears when you need him to hear you? Are you glad that he's working even if you don't see it? Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. I pray that somehow the Holy Ghost would enter this room and would inspire us to once again draw our hearts to united prayer, that together we're better. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. We know that Matthew 6, 9 tells us that when you're going to begin praying, you should begin praying with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Obviously, I spoke about it last week just a little bit, the the collective prayer, the power of collective prayer, the ability to come together with brothers and sisters and pray something that is even more powerful than we could pray by ourselves. I believe in individual prayer. Of course I do. I do it myself. I believe in collective prayer, though, because there's greater examples in Scripture of the collective power of prayer. In fact, there is really very few places in the New Testament church where it talks about someone praying alone. It's always with someone else. It's always gathered together. It's always in concert, because hear me carefully, we is always stronger than me. The symphony of us is beautiful to God. The gathering together of hearts and minds and prayers, even though we may not know the full situation that someone is dealing with, the gathering together of just the faith to believe that whatever it is, God can change it. Whatever it is, God can do something in that situation. That faith for you, that faith for me, collectively joined together becomes a weapon against the enemy. It becomes a power that is unstoppable in the church. If you believe that, Say amen. And so we say our Father. We gather together. And so this Thursday night, we're obviously gathering in prayer. Thank you to those that could make it, Roy, Leah, others. Thank you, Reese, for opening the doors. But you need to be here. This is something that we're trying to do collectively. We're trying to bring the church together for prayer. And the reason for that is because I believe that for the greatest step forward for this church is one is, is a step backwards to prayer. That it is an old way, but it is the best way. It is a way 
way that works. It's the original call to the church that the church should be a people of prayer and that we should be a people of prayer. This is a multi-generational church. This is a multilingual church. This is a multicultural church. And we have much to do in all of those areas, but we must be a church of prayer. Above anything else we do, we must be a church of prayer. So, yes, 6.30 to 7.30 every Thursday night until the new year, I'm going to be here. I will pray for you. We will pray together. We will join together. We will get each other's back, and we'll stand back to back and fight for one another. Amen, somebody. So I hope that for the next 15 minutes, I can impress you with the power of collective prayer and the need for all of us to come together and do that. Well, preacher, it's it's just prayer. It's just a prayer. Have you ever heard that? Well, I'm not coming tonight because it's just prayer. That's what the church did primarily in the New Testament, was they got together and they prayed. All of this other stuff that we have, as nice as it is, as wonderful as it is, and as much as I love all of it, the first thing we should be excited about is if the church is going to get together, we should be glad that the church is praying. Amen? So come Thursday nights if you can. And if you cannot, maybe get together with somebody. Don't be alone, but find somebody. Get together and pray with them in a small group somewhere and let the Lord be famed. Amen? Because we understand that if you have a large crowd because of a performer, that means they love the performer. If you have a large crowd at a church, maybe the preacher's really good or the music's amazing and people come out sometimes just for those reasons or maybe the people that attend there, they're very great soul winners and it's just, they, they come because of, of that. But we understand that a prayer meeting is where the church finds out how popular Jesus is. And so I want to make Jesus famed in this place. I want to make him most popular. I don't want Ichabod written across the back door that the glory of the Lord has departed. And the Lord specifically told me that if you're going to take this church as a pastor to the next level in my personal prayer, that you have to go back to collective, united prayer in the church. So I need to spend a few minutes talking to you about united prayer. What united prayer meant in the New Testament, in the, in the first church, the first century church, the church that we model ourselves after in the Acts of the Apostles, the church that we want to be a first century church in, in, in this century, in this time period, but also what's happened to primar primarily to prayer meetings and, and the prayer of the church, and then also what we can do to turn it around, amen, as the church. So I'm praying that we can lose a mindset that it's not just prayer, but it's all about prayer. Everything we do should be about prayer. The success of your spiritual life comes from your prayer life. It's a fact. You're going to grow if you pray. It's just the way that the church is designed. We are spiritual people having spiritual experiences, whether we know it or not, because you are one-third spirit. So when you have an experience with somebody in a relationship or in life, you are having a spiritual interaction whether you know it or not. There is flesh, yes, but there are spiritual interactions. And those spiritual interactions have to be buffeted and 
guarded and cautiously approached through prayer because it's a spiritual thing. You're having spiritual relationships all the time. You're talking with people all the time and your spirit is felt by them or you can feel their spirit. And the only way that you're going to know whether your brother or sister may need prayer is if you're praying regularly or you're prayed up. You can actually sense when someone has a need that they don't feel they can put in sentences when you're prayed up. I've walked up to people and said, is it all right if I pray for you? You know what I'm talking about, Angie, because you do it all the time. Walked up to people and said, is it all right if I pray for you? And they didn't even know that I actually had a, a faith walk with God and, and they didn't even know I was a preacher, but they they recognized that I wanted to pray and they, they, they were like, yes, please pray. And by the time we got done praying, they felt a connection, spirit to spirit, and heaven came down and God did something. And there's something great about being open to prayer. Prayer is always the best option. Prayer should always be the first option. Amen, somebody. Help me preach today, church. So what happens when we get together should be prayer. We don't just come here to hear the preacher preach or come here to hear our favorite song. We don't come to slap each other's back and say, good job being a Christian this week. We come here to gather to live our Christian lives out through our prayer lives. Scripture says, I read it to you, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. It takes a humility when you approach God. You have to be called by his name. You have to be humble in that calling, and you have to pray, and you have to seek his face. You cannot seek the answers anywhere else. You have to go and seek his face first. You, we, we often understand that people that are first learning to walk with God, they're constantly seeking God's hand. What can God do for me? What can God give me? How can God bless me? They're seeking God's hand, but the scripture makes sure we understand that if you're called and if you're humble, you'll learn how to seek God's face. Lord, I'm not coming to you today for what you give me. I'm coming to you because I love you, because you save me. I come to you because you are willing to touch my life and change me. So if you ever want to see a difference, if you ever want to step beyond the crowd that's looking for the handout spiritually, I ask you to go ahead and seek God's face because in his face is fullness, there's fullness of glory. In his face, there's revelation for your life. There's new things that can happen when you see him for who he really is. Is, he starts to tell you who you really are. And it only happens through prayer. And turn from your wicked ways. Repentance is in there. Turning around. Repentance is, a, is, is 360. Turning away from what it is. You can't just say, Lord, I'm sorry. And keep doing the same things over again. I'm not talking about where you're weak in your flesh and you fall down. But you get up and you say, Lord, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better, Lord. I'm talking about whenever you willfully keep doing the things you ask God to forgive you for. That is not repentance. Repentance is when you turn from your wicked ways. And then I will hear from heaven. Notice God gives a requirement to us before he gives the answer that he'll hear us. He does say, if you seek my face, if you turn from your ways, if you humble yourself, I'm a God who hears from heaven. And will forgive your sin. Why? Because you need your sins forgiven more than anything else you need from God. You need God to answer with a miraculous atonement over your life. Thank God for the blood. Anybody thank God for the name you can pray and see God's blood from his sacrifice cover you. No, you won't see it visibly, but when you call on the name of Jesus, you're calling on everything that is in him and everything that is in him is that sacrifice he gave you on that cross when he was your substitute. Thank God for the blood. 
My grandparents lived on it. Thank God for the blood they would sing. Thank God for the blood. I'm so grateful that I understand it's not just an idea or a concept or a construct of some religious group, but it's actually Jesus' plan for our life to forgive our sins. And in forgiving your sins, he can heal your land. We were born and made of the dust of the earth. And when he said he could heal their lands, he wasn't just meaning that he would give them better crops and better blessings and he would touch the land, but he, I believe, was talking about that he would heal them. He would heal them, the land, the people. And so I'm grateful that I understand that though I may be dirt and dust and just a glorified spitball at times, <laughs> I'm grateful that God can heal my body, can heal my heart, and can heal my spirit. Amen for a, a God who can do it all. Amen. That's a good place to put it. Amen. Major points that I have to talk to you for just a minute about is to describe for you in history the importance of united prayer in the church and what united prayer has become in our culture and then a call back to united prayer as we are doing on Thursday nights because we're better together. We're just simply better together. You have to understand that when you do some things you see a picture of what God has done for us exemplified in your natural life. Spiritual things in natural life. That's what Jesus taught in parables. He took a natural thing and he taught a spiritual concept. That's what a parable is. And you can watch parables happen if you just keep your eyes open. I grew up in concert band and then I went into symphonic band, Sister Carol, Carla. Again, and love, I love the fact that you teach band because I get to use band references and I look over there and I know you know so much more about that than I do. So you'll get this point. But whenever we were in concert band, we had one guy named Paul. And Paul always played a B as a B flat. It didn't matter what song we were in. We would, when we had a concert, we would all be playing the song. We we're like, here comes the B flat. And we knew he was going to flat on B flat. He happened to be a trumpet player. And so he was loud. And it always carried through the whole symphonic band. So everything was going great. The music was lovely. And all of a sudden, there's Paul. We're like, it's the other finger. The other finger. Not that one. Come on, Paul. And so we, we secretly rooted for Paul every single concert. Fall concert, spring concert, we were all praying for Paul. Please, Lord, help him to hit the B, not the B flat. Because our performance is going to be flat. But um bum then a high school band, when you started practicing, we thought, you know, he's going to get it. He's going to get it. And so we're all, everyone's gathering in for the concert. Families are starting to take the risers and in the concert band or symphonic bands on the floor. And I had those big old kettle drums, you know, boom, 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 boom. You know, I love that. I could just make lots of noise. But I, I had to tune them, of course. So I'd get in there and I'd get them tuned to a, a B and a C and whatever it was I was playing. I had these big old mallets that I could just bop people on the head if I wanted to. Of course, we had to do that. That's always important. Head bopping in concert band is important. And so we would begin our song, and we had this huge song that we were doing. It was called it was called Samson and Delilah, and it just started out like boom, 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 boom. And we get to Paul's part, and sure enough, Paul flats. And I was just like, man, it's just 
And the, the whole time before the concert even began, he's there, he's working on it. We're all, you know, have you ever been to a concert before the concert starts and it's just like a, a mess? It's a, just a disaster of noise. Just like, everybody's tuning their instruments and everybody's, but before everything happens that's important, the, the conductor walks up and goes, and then he goes, and everybody plays one note. And he makes sure everybody is tuned to the same note. Because what's coming next will not be beautiful if they're not in harmony. Amen? And the power of that unity is so beautiful that you can step away from the concert band at the high school and you can move into the profession of, of musician, the professionals that you can go and sit under the Milwaukee Symphony Orchestra and you can hear that same mess of noise going on behind the curtain. You can hear that same just rumble of all different sounds and different keys and whatever they're playing. But then when the curtain opens, it gets quiet and all of a sudden the conductor lifts his conductor's staff and then begins the song and as the song begins everyone begins to play in the same harmonious note and you can close your eyes and literally feel the beauty of the music the music begins to take on such a shape of beauty that you want to close your eyes and just try to hear every bit of sound there is every everybody coming together the beauty of unity the power of unity and then as the band scales into the most the most beautiful forte moments where they're just double forte and triple forte and, and then it's just hitting you and you just feel these wave after wave of sound. You feel your spirit just responds to that music and you're like, wow, this is so beautiful. This is so amazing. And then Paul flats. It doesn't happen in a professional setting because they understand they're only as good as their unity. They're only as good as their harmony. We have to understand this transfers as an analogy into the church that we're only as strong as the unity of our prayer. We're only as powerful as unified prayer. When we come together, we may put some links together to show that we're praying, but when we come together and we begin to pray as the church, there's nothing that can stop a church that's unified. In fact, unity was the reason that the Spirit was poured out in the book of Acts. It was their unity that caused the Holy Ghost to pour out and the Holy Ghost spread into the city and 3,000 were added to the church that day all because they not only prayed but they were in unified and unity in their prayer. Amen, somebody. The church is a medium. If you've ever watched anything on YouTube, you can see where they take a sound speaker and they put it underneath a board with sand on it and they begin to change the tones of the different notes and it creates a different picture in the sand. Sound actually creates beauty. And whenever God hears his church praying, there's nothing more beautiful to God. And when we begin to pray, God will take that prayer and he will begin to shape the church into something that's beautiful. And the world looks at it and goes, I don't know what they do there. I don't know why what they teach there but I know I feel something when that church prays what if we became the church in town that made we didn't have the biggest building or maybe didn't have the best bands or maybe even didn't have the most amazing teaching but we had the gospel of Jesus Christ we preached about the oneness of Jesus we preached about the power of the name of Jesus the infilling of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues as the spirit gives utterance and we did it because we were a church that prayed what if they knew us in this city as a church that knew how to pray. What if we were better together? 
What if we moved in such a way that people knew that if somebody came from that church, things were going to happen in the heavenlies because they pray. Amen, somebody. It is the call of the church. We're not called to look better, act better, and be everything else better than anybody else. We're not trying to be better and more holy than anybody else, but we are trying to be a church that prays better than anybody else. There is one place in our hearts that should be on fire, and that is I want to be a prayer warrior. I want to be somebody who knows how to go to the throne of heaven. I want to go to the throne for my brothers, my sisters, and collectively we should do it together. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2 and 1, I exhort you, therefore, first of all, prayer. First of all, the first thing you do. In other words, another translation says, I urge you, first of all, supplications, prayer, intercession, be given and giving of thanks be made for all men. I urge you, I urge you to do it. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious in anything. That word anxious we know translates in other translations is do not worry do not have anxiety about anything, but in every situation. By what? By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. We need to know how to pray, and we need to know how to pray together. Amen, someone. Because we're just better. Let the church be known as a church that prays because we're better together. United prayer was common in the first century church. Hear me carefully for just a few minutes. The most common, one of the, one of the most common labels in the New Testament for the church, for church individuals was saints. Everybody say saints. The word saints is plural. Second person plural. But the, the, the interesting thing is the word saint singular is only found two times in the word of God. In fact, it's only found two times. One is Philippians 4 and 8, one of the most important uses of it. But the word saints, plural, is found 61 times in the New Testament. God wants us to pray together. Amen? God wants us coming together for unified prayer. The concept of a solitary saint on some hill somewhere in, in some monastery or in a foreign land of being by themselves and being all alone is very foreign to the New Testament church. It's not even in there. There's only two times where the scripture talks about someone praying alone, and that's when Ananias was told to go pray for Saul of Tarsus. And the other time was where Peter was on the rooftop in Joppa and was sent to Cornelius' house. That's the only two examples in the New Testament where someone actually was praying alone. But every other place in scripture, the actual Greek uses a plural. It actually uses second person plural when it talks about that there is... Sorry, someone's trying to call my phone and it goes to my iPad. That there is somebody that has an understanding that we're supposed to be together praying. Common expressions in the New Testament for saints, plural, as a plural noun is brethren, children, and disciples. Another place that where it uses a collective noun is where it talks about the church, it talks about the people, the flock, or the nation of God. And so we see that the word you in the New Testament, when it says you ought to always or you should do this or, or you are the church of the living God, it talks about that and uses the term you in the New Testament, which in Greek is second person plural, meaning you all, kind of what they used in the South, Robert, where we were down there all week, where they say, y'all come back now. 
They mean all of you can come back. You're all welcome. You all. And so in scripture, when it says that you, it uses the term you every single time, it means collectively. It means it's talking about when you pray, when you pray, it means when all of you pray together. That's where the power is going to be at. The church should be united in prayer consistently. It's dominated. No, no matter what we talk about or how we do it, we need to get together and pray. Amen, somebody. From the ascension of Jesus, those 10 days, until the descension of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in the upper room, the church prayed continually straight for 10 days. And then the power of the Holy Ghost fell and the first church was born. And we know that Peter stood up after that for ten and preached the message for 10 minutes and 3,000 souls were brought to the church. I don't know if it would have been the same. Had the church, I don't know if it would have been the same had the church preached for 10 days and prayed for 10 minutes. But the, the example is, if we want to see this world change, if we want to see this city change, three, five, 10 miles out as I'm praying right now, if we want to see a change around us in our neighborhoods and where we live, we have to start praying first and preaching second. You don't win people by just starting to cram the gospel down their throat. Thank God I know I'm in a church where people don't do that. But you have to start praying for somebody first. You start praying for them long before you ever tell them about Jesus. And God opens the door for them to hear the gospel. Amen. So we see them praying for 10 days. 10 minute sermon, 3,000 added to the church. I'm grateful for that example. Because I'm praying for God to add to this church. I'm praying for God to take our collective prayers from now to the new year and give us a revival that builds a light on a hill that people are just drawn like a moth to, that they cannot help themselves. They prayed united prayers in the book of Acts. In the book of the Acts of the Apostles, you go through and read it, that first church in Acts 1, they prayed for an outpouring and the replacement of Judas. In Acts 2, they prayed and the Holy Ghost came upon them. Acts 2.42, it said they continued in prayer. It wasn't something that they did. It was something that they were. They were a praying church, and it was the hallmark of the first century church. Acts 3, Peter and John were headed to a prayer meeting. We learned about it last week when they raised the lame man up. And Acts 4, they were gathered in the upper room and the place was shaken. Amen. Acts 6, you, you get the story. You read through Acts, you'll see it. Pray, they prayed a prayer. In Acts 6, they, they prayed over the choice of those that would serve the widows because they were neglecting them. And they said they need to appoint somebody. Let's pray to appoint somebody for that service so that we can be given to the word and to prayers. If you look in the original Greek for prayers, it actually means so that they could lead prayer collectively in the church. They were intentional about their prayers. They were intentional about coming together. What would happen if we would be a church focused on the word and prayer again? What would happen if the, if the city was shaken by a church that knew how to pray? We are better together, amen? Robert, can I use you for a minute for an illustration? Nothing's wrong with private prayer, but collective prayer creates a protection in your life. When we pray together, where two or three are gathered in his name, there am I in the midst. You know that. And we can take prayers to God, and there's powerful things that happen when two people get together and pray. Because what happens spiritually is you're not just praying by yourself where you can be susceptible to attack. 
from, from the back. You can, you can pray all you want to, but there's a blind side that you have. But when you pray with your brother and sister, go ahead and turn your back. It's like fighting like this. Like nobody can come up and attack me from the back because Rob is going to fight them. And they can't attack Rob. They can't blindside Rob because I'm going to fight them. This is the picture of scripture that we're supposed to be back to back praying together. Thank Rob for his help today. That is what collective prayer means. That we're supposed to be together. If you understand that we're stronger together or we're better together, I can best say it probably in the understanding of a little bird called the starling. They're not very big birds. They're actually very small birds. But those birds are very much prey to larger birds, hawks and other kinds of birds of prey that would take advantage of them or use them, um, would, would attack them and eat them. But when you get a bunch of starlings together, they create a protection. They get back to back, as it were. Me and Rob kind of showed you. But they get together and they begin to fly together and they become this large unit of, of birds. And no, one, no bird that is bigger than them will attack them because there's a protection that they have together that they don't have a part and they put I put together a little video so that you could understand the beauty of those starlings flying together it looks choreographed literally they turn on a dime and it looks like a massive a massive some sort of uh, creature but it really is the what they call murmurization or murmuration. It's where all of these birds fly together and they escape predators because they are stronger together they're better together everybody say better together if you keep an eye on, on what's going on with these birds, they literally are flying within millimeters from each other. They, they all just kind of float together. They have created what they know, what the military calls swarm technology from the starling, where they can, they can create drones that will swarm together. Mathematically, they've taken it. They've taken their understanding and studying it from what God created, the starling bird. And literally, they're learning how to create movement where uh, a large larger group of drones can attack an area and not be susceptible to so much damage because they're flying like the starlings fly. There's a protection in being together, amen? There's a protection in praying together. And so we have to come together. We have to call a solemn assembly, as the Old Testament said. We have to pray and fast and see God change our world. And I'm thankful he's doing it right now in our midst. I'm thankful that he's doing it among us. He's helping us stay together. He's helping us keep the things that we need to keep. But I talk to him as a friend, as you should too. And so whenever I talk to a friend, I don't walk up to him and begin a conversation by blubbering. <laughs> I'm going to use you, Angie, because you don't mind if I accidentally spit on you. We'll edit that out. <laughs> Am I doing? Am I having good conversation right now? What What about this? Whenever I'm going to talk to the Lord, Angie's going to pretend to be the Lord at the moment. When I go to the Lord and I start talking to her and I close my eyes, do you do this when you pray? Hi, Angie. How's it going? It's good to see you. I'm so glad you're here today. I'm so glad you're in my life. I talk to the Lord as he's a friend. I just. I drive and pray. It'd be a bad idea to close my eyes and drive and pray, wouldn't it? Probably be a miracle. You guys, you don't even know. Pastor drove all the way to church this morning praying. And you know he closes his eyes when he prays. Five lights he went through and didn't have an accident. That's a miracle right there. 
Power of God. We'd have so many people falling out over that. Just be amazing. Have a revival over pastor's prayer. No, when I talk to God, I leave my eyes open and I speak to him as a friend. And I say, Lord, I need you today. Lord, can you step in for this situation? Lord, can you open a door in this case, in this situation? There's all kinds of different ways that you pray and and you can put, I guess you can fill in the blank because I'm trying to fill in the blank for you and I shouldn't. But what I'm saying is that whenever we pray, we ought to understand that he hears us. He hears us. And the more that you pray, the more that you want to be holy. The more that you spend time in God's presence, the more you want to please him. There are some things that I like to do and my wife detests them. And I know she detests them. And there are some things, I have some stuff that I like to wear and she will not let me leave the house in those clothing. It's because that's what she enjoys. She enjoys seeing me in something different. (laughs) She does not enjoy seeing me in sweatpants. And she's like, you are not leaving the house in that. And so sometimes she'll come home and she'll like, are you wearing that? And I know that that's a conversation where I need to um, ask another question. What would you like me to wear? Because when we're going out on a date, I don't want her to be thinking about, is she overdressed for me or am I underdressed for her? And, and I want her to be happy. And I know there's things that she enjoys. It's not a sin for me not to wear sweatpants to BW Wild Wings. It's not a sin. But she doesn't like it. She never wants to see me in public in sweatpants. So I do some things. I do some things. And they're not, maybe, they're not major things, but they're small things. And I know I do them because she loves them. She enjoys them. She appreciates it. And so I do it for her because we're better together, amen? And so there are some things that I'll do that you may need me to do, or or maybe there are times whenever you can be a better example as a Christian to those around you by not doing something or by by not being a bad example in some area. So I want to commend you that when we pray together, it's also an an understanding that when we come together, we want to do things that enhance the kingdom of God, enhance the church, and we have to be willing to say, no, it may not be that wrong, but it may be something that improves the church and helps helps us in our testimony. It helps us in the power and the presence of God. And so as poorly as that may seem to be an issue, sometimes we need, that's not in my notes, so I really don't know why I'm saying it. Maybe it's for somebody that has a struggle with with seeing somebody else do something and you think maybe they shouldn't be doing that. I want to help you as a pastor right now that if you begin to pray for them, God will speak to them. If you just go ahead and live the example in front of somebody, God will God will speak through your conversation of your lifestyle. Amen. I don't know why that's in there because it wasn't in my notes, but I'm thankful that there are people that know how to live for God because he loves what they do, not because he has it written down in black and white. There are some nuances of walking with God that I don't do just because I know he loves when I'm holy. He loves when I'm separated. He loves when I set myself apart. And when I have things in my life that are doors that stay closed and only he can access them, only he can go into that closet, only he can go into that place. When I have things in my life that have his name on it that are exclusively for him, he is honored in my life for that. Amen? But when we talk about a closet of prayer, we're not just meaning a place alone. Because in the Old Testament, when kings and queens had a closet of prayer it was a place where they met with the people that were most intimate to them or people that were near nearest to them they had a place where they could meet with people so i'm going to say it you need to expand your closet 
And all the sisters that love to shop said, amen. Need to expand your closet. Pastor said it. You need to expand your place of prayer, not just personally, but you need to expand the place where you pray collectively, where you gather friends around, you gather people around. And instead of saying, let's, let's see what's on Monday Night Football, first you say, would it be all right if we take a word of prayer? Would it be all right if we gather together and we pray together? Because that is something that's being lost in America. There are unified prayer there are places where unified prayer is creating revival in the world right now, and it's predominant. It's seen because of their prayer. It's seen because of the coming together of their prayer. And the places where we're not seeing that are places where there's a rugged individualistic mindset. I talked a little bit about this last week, and I'm only going to spend a second on it, but the places where we see unified prayer are commonly where we're seeing our faith explode where there's growth in the gospel and there's growth in the kingdom and where UPCI churches are sending people into other nations and where there's an there's a expansion going on, where they're enlarging the places where they pray. But right now, because of the individualistic mindset, there are places that are shrinking in their growth. And number one is North America because we're so such individuals. We're so interested in not sharing what we're dealing with and what we're going through. And we put on so many masks that it's Halloween every single day for some people. They're just not sure that they can trust somebody to tell them what they're really going through. Number two is Japan. And number three is Australia. And number four is Western Europe, where there is actually, in other ancient cultures, there actually is no word for the individual. There was only we, us, together, collective. That's how they stayed strong. And so Gene, Gene Getz of Moody Theological Seminary, which I, I've been at personally, I've gone down there, the hallmark of Western civilization, he said, has been rugged individualism because of our philosophy of life. We are used to the personal pronouns I and my and me. We have not been taught to think in terms of we and our and us. Consequently, we individualize many references to corporate experience in the New Testament, thus often emphasizing personal prayer. He said that there's so many experiences in the New Testament church that were meant to be corporate, that we take them and we individualize them and we put them into devotions and we do not let them live as what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be another hand of help to the brother and her sister. They're supposed to be a second wave of prayer that not only is the person praying, but the other individual comes alongside and helps them pray. It's supposed to be the two hands of the gospel, one reaching out from the past or the other reaching out from the pew, one reaching out from a brother or sister trying to teach a Bible study, the other, the church, praying for that Bible study so that we can get our hands around the world, we can get our hands around those that are lost and we can gather them in for the last great harvest before Jesus comes. He is coming, brothers and sisters. They're putting chips in hands right here where you can now do Apple Pay and you can do other things where you, you will have your social security number and you'll have other things in your hand and sooner or later, Scripture says, 
says we won't even be able to buy or sell without the ability, without the mark of the beast. So I know that we're headed in that direction. There are hundreds of prophecies that have been fulfilled in my in Sarah's lifetime that were not fulfilled in the same span of time as her parents or my parents. We're seeing it escalating. We're running into the final wave of God producing the greatest revival. Right now, Pastor Cho in Korea has the largest church in the world right now with hundreds of thousands. Right now, we can't talk about it, but China has over 100 million Pentecostals, oneness believing, Holy Ghost filled speaking in tongues, Pentecostals. We can't, we don't even know where they are, all are, but the number last secretly counted was over 100 million brothers and sisters in China. So Korea, as bad as we think it is in China, no matter how much we talk about the communism, we have to understand that when we dance on streets of gold, we'll be dancing on streets of gold with the last greatest earthly harvest of Gentiles we have ever known. And it's happening because the church is praying. It's happening because we're getting together and we're praying for God to do something in the earth. While God wants to work with his mighty right hand, the church is the left hand that gathers in the final harvest before we all go home to be with Jesus. What if we were that church? What if we went and sat in meetings downtown where we didn't ask them, could you change the movement of traffic or could you change the culverts downtown where the where there's a big bump over this road or could you deal with these potholes? What if we just sat in those meetings and we just began to silently pray for the mayor and silently pray for the church leaders? What if when the firefighter went in to save somebody's life and he reached his hand in to a burning fire to pull somebody out, there was another invisible hand there of prayer when we sent out angels and we've sent out those that are going to help the situation? What if every individual who was trying to help, every individual who is in our fire and police chief, every individual that steps into a dangerous situation and is just trying to help change the world or help protect us, there was another hand there of prayer from this church that helped them to change the situation. What if we prayed protection over our police force? What if we prayed protection over those that needed our help in prayer? What if we gathered and changed the world because we're simply better together? What if we did that? What if we stopped praying for everything we need, started praying for everything this world needs? What if we put their salvation ahead of our personal needs? What if we decided that eternity was more important than now? What if we changed the world because we put ourselves back on the cross and died daily and we walked out into our world with a new resurrection in our spirit, with our hearts pulsing in prayer, saying that God can do something even with me. God can do something even in my situation. God can do something great because when I feel like I'm nothing, God is working because he's always up to something. Would you stand with me in this place? I want to lose the I and my and me. I want to lose everything that I have to lose to get to we and us and our and, and the beauty of praying the prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be our, thy name. I want to see God move to where we can say that that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I want to be able to say that we gathered together and we truly can say that we were a people of prayer.
that we were gathered in unified prayer and that we can expect that if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. Would you lift your hands with me all over this building right now? Would you just ask God to help you? We don't have to be alike to pray together. We don't even have to like each other necessarily to pray together. We may come from all different backgrounds and different kinds of, of understanding, but we can pray together. We know we have a God who answers our prayer. We don't even have to necessarily want to hang out on Friday nights together, but we can come together as a church and we can pray and we can see things happen and we can see God change hearts and we can see God change lives. And the greatest thing we can see is souls being saved. Souls being saved. The greatest thing we can do is pray together because we're better together. This conference, they they did something that I want to do now and I, I don't even know how to finish this. But I do know this. God wants to do this. They said, why don't you put something in your mind that you want prayer for, that something that you want to speak into the atmosphere that you've long had a dream in your heart for and every time the preacher does that I'm thinking I don't even know what to pray and God began to speak to me pray what you want the church to pray pray what the church would pray I said Lord I want to see people get the Holy Ghost in the altar again I want to see people get miracles signs and wonders and right after that, I prayed, Lord, not because we want the church to be famous, but we want your name to be famed in all the earth. We want them to know that there really is a God. He really can step in and he really does make a change and he really can change us. That we don't have to live in that same old cycle again and again, but we can come together with our brothers and sisters and lift each other up and encourage each other and iron sharpen iron. And then while we're doing that, we can take somebody who needs to be baptized in Jesus' name and we can take them to the baptistry and we can wash all their sins away with that lovely name of Jesus. And, and when they come up out of that water, maybe they come up praying in the Holy Ghost. Maybe they come up speaking in tongues. What if we had another revival like they did in New York where the would pull into the harbor and people would fall on the deck because they felt the power of God coming from the prayer meeting. What if we could go join together again and see people want God so bad that they lingered in God's presence till he filled them with his presence? What if we had a prayer that was a prayer for all of us, that the church is better together? I pray right now in the name of Jesus, by the authority and power of the Holy Ghost, and by the walk of God that I have experienced, that I know you hear us, Lord. I know you answer. And I'm praying right now for anyone in this room that needs to have a joining of their heart to the bigger purpose and the bigger vision of what God is doing in this earth, that we would lay down anything that keeps us from reaching a lost soul, anything that keeps us from reaching a neighbor or a friend or a parent or a loved one, anything that keeps us from reaching somebody. I'm not asking you to come to the altar if you don't want to, but if you want to come right now, could we pray collectively? 
can we alter the state of this city by all by bringing ourselves to an altar could we could we somehow lift up prayer in this church where there's a common voice and common prayer and we're all gathered together saying lord would you fill somebody with your spirit lord would you get somebody here that needs to get baptized in Jesus? lord would you just would you just grow your church if we prayed lord god and we preached if we pray and then preach there will be an outpouring of god's spirit so great the place would be shaken and the world would know that this is a church that is in touch with god that this is a place where heaven sets down on earth this is a place where everything changes where everything changes where man cannot change it god can change it and this is where god meets with us come on let a spirit of prayer go out let intercession come on you pray for a lost family member pray for a lost loved one pray for anything you can think of together we pray together jesus lift up lord god the needs in this house lord god lift up what we're praying for we want to be that second hand in the harvest lord god as you thrust your hand in to bring out the greatest revival left before we leave let us be a second hand of prayer let us be the one who rolls back the stone so you can do the resurrection that you've already wanting to do in lives and hearts let us be the ones that are part of the work of the kingdom that we can work together that we would be laborers together through prayer. Let us create a symphony of we. Let us create a symphony of we in this place. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.